All right. Uh, so how many of you have seen, how many of you have seen this emoji? Okay, here is a little a picture of an emoji that I think maybe uh, you might be familiar with this emoji. How many are familiar with that one? Yeah, 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 that's a little praying hands. Now, here's another question. Oh, let me stop. If you're online this morning, first of all, welcome. Good to have you here. Everybody in the house, would you give a big round of applause for everybody online? Yeah. Great to have you here today. So I want you to participate too. So here's what you get to do. You get to maybe throw up some prayer, some prayer hand emojis or a thumbs up or a, hey, that's whatever. Just let us know you're there. We'd love, we'd love to be able to connect with you and just know that you're a part of us. We love you. We're so grateful that you're joining us online wherever you might be. And we'd love to see you at some point in the house. Bless you. All right. So how many of you have used this emoji? Yeah. Okay. Most of us. All right. So let's go on. Here we go. How uh, do you pray? And you have to lift your hands on these, so you have to do this. Do you pray before you eat? All right. Do you pray before you go to bed? Oh, cool. This is, you guys are good. Okay. Uh, how about you pray before you go to work in the morning? How many of you pray on the 91? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we get that one, don't we? Every, every step of the way, we are praying on the 91. Oh, God, just let me get off this thing at some point quickly. All right. Or for protection too. Uh, do you pray with or for your children or both? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, have you ever asked someone to pray for you? Yeah, all right. Man, you guys are awesome. Have you ever been asked to pray for someone? Yeah, all right. So here we go. The answers are great. And what the, here's what it tells me. It tells me that at least at a very basic level, there is a fabric of prayer that works its way through our lives as Christ followers. And there was a man by the name of Alexander White. Alexander White was probably in the 19th century, was probably the greatest preacher in the nation of Scotland. That's what he was considered, the greatest preacher. Alexander, Alexander White said this, if you want to humble a man, ask him about his prayer life. I'm telling you, that's... that's pretty intense, isn't it? But we just did that. And I think many of us, many of us just kind of passed that test, but it's still humbling when we talk about prayer and our own prayer. I'm humbled when someone begins to, we begin to have a conversation about prayer and I internalize it or I personalize that. I'm sensitive to that. Why? Well, I want to be a person that is characterized as a person of prayer. I, it is such a vital part of who I am as a Christ follower. And it is an essential part, hear this, it's an essential part of your life of faith. Without prayer, we're not going to be as effective as God would have us be. And that's in our personal life, it's our spiritual life, it's our family life, it's our work life, it's, it's full orb. It, the fabric of prayer extends everywhere. It's not just in this environment. It's not even just in the environments that I mentioned just briefly. It's everywhere. Paul would say it this way, pray continually. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing as the King James would reference it. But, and, I, and I agree with Dr. White. It's humbling when I begin to evaluate my prayer life. I do pray, but I wonder, I wonder even with the kind of prayers that we've just admitted to praying, okay, is the writer of Psalm 107 accurate in his assessment on the occasions of prayer? You say, well, what does that say? Well, let's take a look at Psalm 107, just a few selected portions of it. Look at this. 
hungry and thirsty, and they nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. They fell and there was no one to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. They were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. They were at their wit's end. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. Does that sound at all familiar? What is that? It's crisis. It's crisis. We are very quick to pray in the midst of crisis. And, and, and honestly, and, and there's probably no better response. But is that, is that all there is to prayer? Well, it's interesting that you would ask that question. Because I'm going to hopefully answer that question. Listen to this. You ever thought much about crisis? No, maybe not, but listen to this. Crisis is the decisive moment. An unstable or crucial, crucial time or situation in which a decisive change is impending, especially one with a distinct possibility of a highly measurable, or excuse me, highly undesirable outcome. A situation that has reached critical phase. There are several types of situations. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is I know what's coming. There are several types of situations that can be considered crisis situations. Now ready, these include family disruption or family disturbance, natural disasters, economic changes, loss of a job, medical bills, concern due to a lack of resources, housing, food or safety concerns, life events, the birth of a child, loss of a loved one, behavioral issues or any disturbance to daily activities or an illness. I have never thought of crisis like that. But do you notice what that really says? That really the way that life comes at us really develops into, quote unquote, crisis. And so when I read what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 107, and over and over again, these events, these things are happening, I'm sure that I could say to everyone in the room, or everyone in the room would answer, probably affirmative to what I'm going to say, have you ever felt like you've been at wit's end? Let me tell you, probably this morning or yesterday or, or wit's end's coming tomorrow. But yeah, so I look at this and I say, man, that is reasonable. So how do we pray in crisis? How do we pray a crisis type prayer? And it's really, I use the word crisis because I, I hope to kind of shock our systems to think about it. But what I have just read, I truly I truly think is probably, it says it like this, that life is more crisis than we might ever have thought it would be or is. Life just as it normally occurs. So we're going to talk about that. Billy Graham, Billy Graham says something significant. And uh, listen to what he wrote. He says, we are to pray in times of adversity, lest we become faithless and unbelieving. We're to pray in times of prosperity, lest we become boastful and proud. We're to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. We're to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. What is he saying? It's pray continually. No matter what you might be facing. You see, there really is no reason not to pray. But yet, the averages throughout our country and probably our world is that a very small amount of time is devoted to prayer. And I, I'm not suggesting that long prayers are the answer, but I am suggesting that a pattern and a routine and a habit of prayer 
is essential. So we're going to talk about prayer this morning, as you might imagine. And no matter how many times I talk, we talk about prayer, you know, you say, what else could we ever talk about prayer? I mean, well, you know, Gary, you, you like did a series on prayer. You like spent weeks on prayer. Yeah, I did. But there's still more to be mined and understood. And that's what I hope for this morning. In our series of Unstoppable, we're in the book of Acts, as you may know. We come to chapter 4. And at the end of chapter 4, you, you, the, the, there's still a little bit more to chapter 4. But it is so powerful what we read. In fact, we read the longest prayer written in the book of Acts, which is interesting to me. I did not know that. Now, whether that's it's just interesting to me that it's a long prayer. So we're going to talk about this prayer. And really, it, was, came, it came out of crisis. And the response of the, of the apostles is significant. So look at it with me, if you would, Acts chapter 4. We're beginning reading at verse 23. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 23. On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Lord, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Pray with me. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Now speak life to us and encouragement and challenge in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you four thoughts this morning about crisis praying. And really, it's really kind of praying in the midst of life is really a way to say it. But I'm using the word crisis. First, crisis prayer declares needs and partners with others. It declares needs and partners with others. Now, I've thought through these, these points and it's Here's what I want you to catch from this. When you look at what has occurred in the life of this church, of the church, the apostles have come out of this, they had, there had been a healing, miraculous healing of this man. That caused them to be thrown into jail. Uh, they have to stand before uh, the Sanhedrin, uh, the, the court of the land, as it were, the religious court of the land. And then they go home, and here's what you read. They reported, they went back and told them what happened. And this is what happened. This is what happened. Here's what happened. And here's what we're going to do. What do they do? They share the need. Okay, that's the first thing to understand. First, we need to articulate the need. Articulate the need. Now, it's important that we articulate the need, I think, for a couple of reasons. The first one is because of the example is, that is set in Scripture. Now, that's not in your notes, but it's just, there's an example set in Scripture. First Kings chapter 3 is what we read. Again, the king said, pray for me that my hand might be restored. Pray for it, There it is. It's just simple. Pray for me. Pray for me that my hand might be restored. And that honestly could be a prayer. You could pray for me. Pray that my arm would work. Because it doesn't work right now. And tomorrow I'm going in for the first of two procedures. So uh, we'll, we're going to pray about that in a little bit. But all that to say, we, we articulate the need. You say, but Gary, if I articulate the need, doesn't God already know what I'm going to say? Well, of course he does. But scripture says... Articulate the need. 
Look at what we read in 2 Thessalonians 3. Paul says, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread quick, may spread rapidly and be honored just as it is with you. And pray that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil people for, for not everyone has faith. So the first, one of the reasons we articulate the need is because scripture sets the example for us. Second thing is, is because it's emotionally good for us. You need to share what's going on in your life with somebody else. Can I get a little amen? It don't even have to be a big one, just a little one. You and I need to share what's going on in our life. You know, to carry, to carry certain burdens. Now, understand you say, but Gary, I, I, can't, I can't just pour all that stuff out. I just can't. It's just too much. for. I get that. But you can't do this. Would you pray with me for something very challenging that's happening in my life or in my family or job. That's all you have to do. God knows the rest. And to know that you are sharing that burden, it's so important to articulate the need. And it's so important that there's something that happens to you. It's emotionally good for you. You have something released off of your, out of your spirit and off of your shoulders, as it were. It is so powerful. The second reason, you articulate the need, but also they did something else. They create partners in prayer. That's what they did. When, when Peter and John came back, they said, this is what's happened. And they reported this to the people. What ended up happening is you see now they were all together in one place again. They were in unity and they all gathered together in prayer around this particular prayer. In fact, as you read the prayer, you notice that they were praying together. It wasn't necessarily that they were all articulating the same words, but what they were doing as Peter and John were praying, they were saying, amen. Let it be so, Lord. Yes, Lord. They were in agreement with what was being prayed. There was a partnership. So it was all of them praying together. Daniel chapter 2, the power of partnership is, cannot be overemphasized. Daniel 2, then Daniel went to his house and explained the whole story to his friends. Daniel asked his friends to pray that the God of heaven would show them mercy. It wasn't just Daniel who prayed, but it was his friends as well. It was a partnership. And can I challenge all of us this morning at Crossroads Church to be in partnership with prayer, the things that we are praying about as a congregation. Join with us. You know, there are certain things that I carry on my shoulders. There are certain things the leadership of this church carry on their shoulders, whether it's the finances, whether it's the things that are moving forward. Project 21 would be another one. There's so many different things that are happening, whether it's ministries, whether it's giving, serving. All of these things are the needs that we're sharing. We need some miracles for people in our church. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had in the last 10 days. Literally, there are miracles needed. We cannot, we've got to pray together. And when I pray or whoever it is praying with Pastor Martin or Jason or, or Jacob or whoever may be praying, agree with them in prayer, even if it's just yes, amen, let it be so, Lord. Agree with them so that we are in partnership as we pray together. It is so very important. This past year, I challenged about 100 of us to be prayer partners, pastors, prayer partners. And I encourage you, if you, if you committed to doing that, Commit to do, continue to do that. Pray for your pastors, not just for me, but all of the pastors who serve Crossroads Church. The second thing of Christ is prayer. What it does, it affirms 
and it submits to the sovereignty of God. It affirms and submits to the sovereignty of God. And you see, they start out by saying, Sovereign Lord. That is a powerful way to begin a prayer. Sovereign Lord. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, you know this, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. That is a powerful prayer. That's what Jesus taught his disciples. He said, when you pray, pray like this. That was a prayer. And you notice that it begins with worship. And then what does it do? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, a submitting, a submitting to the sovereignty of God. That's what this prayer is. And let me under, let me underscore something. Some of us, all of us, whatever, I'll just say all of us. How's that? All of us, as I've just went through the various things that have been, de been defined as crisis, all of us are probably at some point of crisis. And what we need to do as we pray is we need to submit that to the sovereignty of God. Sovereign Lord, you have control of this situation. When's the last time you prayed that way? We need to pray that way. I need to pray that way. For some years, I have been using... Lord's Prayer is kind of an outline to pray. And after worship and before I go through the requests, I just say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a lot of things connected to that. But what I'm doing in a more patterned way, I am just simply saying, I am submitting to the sovereignty of God. It is not my will. It is your will that, needs to, that must be done. So that is such a powerful, powerful truth. Sovereignty of God means that he is a ruler Listen to this, ruler of unchallengeable power. No one can challenge the power of our God. Well, now that was okay. No one can challenge the power of our God. There's no God, no God but God himself. No one, no one can challenge his power and authority. And I love this phrase, when we gaze at our sovereign God, we need only glance at our problems. And I'm telling you, that changes everything. When you get a hold, when you get a look at the sovereign God of the universe, our problems pale in comparison to the sovereignty and the power of our God. So it is an important part of when crisis or life happens that we submit to the sovereignty of God. It is, or rather affirm and then submit to the sovereignty of God. A couple of weeks ago, I talked just very briefly about that idea of the will of God. And it's important to just revisit that for a moment. When we, your will be done, when we pray, your will be done. And there's not, that is a perfectly legitimate prayer. But understand, it is more than an add-on to our prayers. And it's not an opt-out if we don't get necessarily our way. But rather, remember this, it, is a, it must be a faith-filled declaration that God has my best interest in mind and that he will always do what is right. That is absolutely essential. And it really is. It's an affirmation, but it's also a submission to the sovereignty of God over my life. Whether a crisis or just life happenings. So just remember, affirm and submit to the sovereignty of God and pray and pray. Third, crisis prayers are grounded in and saturated with scripture. They're grounded in and saturated with scripture. As a church, we have uh, on our website, we have listed seven statements of faith, kind of what we believe. 
not kind of what we believe, it's what we believe. Now what we did is we're an Assemblies of God congregation and the Assemblies of God have 16, 16 a, a statement of fundamental truth, there's 16 of them. And you can find them on the website for the Assemblies of God, ag.org. What we did is we took those 16 and we, we just kind of synthesized them into seven. And then once you read the 16, you'll understand why we did what we did. One of those is very important for us to understand. It is deals with scripture. And here's what it reads. The scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and life. That's what we believe about scripture. So when I think about what we believe about scripture, and then I, I, I connect that to prayer, I want to ground my prayer in what I believe about scripture, in how I look at scripture. And I also wanna saturate my prayer with scripture. When you notice how Peter and John prayed, they went through uh, some of the psalm, some of the psalms, and they're talking, it's just filled with scripture. They are, they're literally declaring God's revealed truth as they pray. And I'm telling you, it is a powerful way for us to pray. So what I want to do for just a second is I want to unpack that statement. First, inspired of God. The word inspired just means God breathed. That's what it means. Second, uh, Timothy verse, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture, and this is from the Amplified, so it's a little longer. All scripture is God breathed, given by divine inspiration. And it's profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and for the restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see the power of God's word. These are literally Holy Spirit-infused words. This is God himself speaking to us. Why wouldn't I ground and saturate my prayer with the words of God? I mean, I certainly would. The second word is revel the revelation of God. In scripture, God reveals who he is. All he does, his plan, his ways, his character, his love, his love for us, our need of him, and so much more. God reveals himself. There is no more revelation. This is it. So when we speak of prophecy, prophecy must have its grounding and its foundation in God's word. If it goes counter to God's word, it ain't legit. Okay? It builds up the body of Christ. It affirms the word of God. It is grounded in scripture to where you and I, as we hear a prophetic word, we can say, amen, let it be so, Lord. This is God's revelation. This is God's revelation. There's no additional revelation. This is it. The third word is infallible. That just means perfect. In fact, it means more technically that the word of God, the word of God is incapable of erring. Okay? because it's the very word of God. It takes into account the character and nature of a perfect God. So what he is saying and what we have revealed to us is his very words. Therefore, it is infallible because he is. He is. And here's a phrase for you. The truthfulness of the text reflects the truthfulness of its divine author. That's, that's why we say it the way we say it. Psalm 119 says, all your words are true and all your righteous laws are eternal. Second Peter 1 Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came by the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, 
those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So what we have is the words of God, the revelation of God, the infallible, perfect, unerring words of God. In other words, authoritative. Now, something is authoritative. It's accurate. It's reliable. It's authentic. And what I love about the authoritative nature of God's word, this is how I live my life. And I know I'm, I'm grounding it on something solid. It's solid. It's unchanging. It's not wavering. And it is so powerful for life. And that's the last one, the rule of life and faith. That's what I live. This is how I live my life. Now, before, before maybe there's this question rolling around your mind, uh, are you perfect? Oh, sure I am. You bet. Don't ask my wife. Okay. She will tell you the absolute truth. No, I'm not perfect. However, this is how I live my life is based upon God's word. Not perfectly. Not perfectly, but based upon God's word. I want my life to reflect the word of God. Your life should reflect the word of God. And, and therefore, let your prayers be grounded in his word. Be saturated with his word. And you say, well, Gary, what exactly does that mean if it's saturated with the word of God? Can I just encourage you to, to pray scripture? Just pray scripture. I was thinking about this this morning, and I've got a couple examples down here, but I was thinking about this this morning. Isaiah chapter 40. Lord, I don't want to run and grow weak. Lord, can I, would you, would you by your strength help me to, to rise up, to mount up with wings like eagles? Lord, let me rely upon your strength. That's how you pray the word of God. You let God's revealed word begin to move. I'm going to tell you something It will be life-changing for you. It will be life-changing for you. When you pray the word of God, you are praying something that is from the very revealed heart, mind, and spirit of the, un, of the sovereign God of the universe. He just can't get any better than that. Psalm 9 and verse number one. I will praise you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you've done. There, there you've done. That's it. Lord, thank you for everything you are, for everything you've done. God, I praise you. I will tell the world of the marvelous things you've done. When's the last time you just got up and prayed, God, thank you for the marvelous things you've done. And you turn to your spouse, you turn to your friend, you say, I'm just praising God today for the great things he's done. I'm telling you, you're praying God's word. It's powerful. Philippians 4, I won't take the time to read it, but Paul says it this way. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. Well, just do it. Just take... Lord, I'm not going to be anxious about one thing. I'm just not going to do it. I refuse. But here are my requests. And Lord, I'm expecting that the peace of God that transcends all understanding is going to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus today. And Lord, I'm standing upon the authority of your word. I'm standing upon the infallibility of your word. I'm standing upon the strength of your word. I'm standing upon the revealed nature of your character in my life. I'm, man, that's, 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 that'll preach. That'll preach. Why? Because it's so powerful. So we ground our prayers and we saturate them with the word of God. A life of prayer, a life of prayer that is grounded and saturated with scripture is powerful and effective due to the internal, unchanging nature of God and his word. Saturate, saturate your prayers with scripture and pray. Lastly, Christ's prayer prioritizes 
and ask God for what's most important. Ask God for what's most important. Uh, I love the game Trivial Pursuit. And here is a, a, a picture of Trivial Pursuit of what the, the box looks like or whatever it is. Uh, yep, there it is. That's the game board. Now, my wife, Marcy doesn't particularly care for Trivial Pursuit. I love it, and I'm really good at it. Now, I'm not, what, I'm not sure what that says about me because here's, here's the thing. <laughs> Listen to this. Trivia, it's matters. These are matters or things that are very unimportant, inconsequential, and non-essential. As I said, I'm not sure what that says about <laughs> That's what it says about me. But I love the game. I just love it. It's so much fun. So, okay, Gary, why are you talking about trivial pursuit and praying about the most important things? Well, because here's, here's what I want you to catch. There are times that I struggle with my focus as I pray. Does anybody else have that issue? Have squirrel moments, you know, where you just kind of go off down a rabbit trail. I mean, you're just, you're off. And then you come back. You know, normally you'll, you'll maybe set aside 15, 20, 30 minutes for prayer and your prayer time lasts you about three and a half hours and you finally get through it, you know, because you've been all down. You've been everywhere. Laser-like focus is what the apostles had. And that is something I think is so very important. They came back to what was most important. And it's critical for us, I think, as followers of Christ in the middle of crisis or life, however you want to define it, we need to pray about that which is most important. Stay laser-like in our focus on the things that are most important. <clears throat> and I want you to understand something. I need to stay focused when I pray on the most important issues. But lest, lest I be misunderstood, which I certainly don't want to, remember this. All things, everything we pray for is important to God. In fact, if it's important to you, it's important to God. And that's how much God loves us. Nothing is trivial to him. Nothing, there, there's no time wasted when you are praying. Zero. That doesn't happen. But I do want to remain very focused on the things that are most important. So typically for me, as I pray in the mornings, I pray through the Lord's Prayer, as I said, and I have kind of a pattern of prayer that I walk my way through. But I make sure that every day I am praying for the things that are most important, most important. And this has challenged me, I think, in many respects to, to, to kind of revisit that. While I may give assent to certain things, I need to continue to be very focused on the things that are most important. And here's what happens to the apostles. The apostles prayed about sharing their faith is what it was. Lord, give us, enable us to, to, to share the word of God with boldness. Lord, give us, give, us your, give us your assistance as we do these things. So they were very focused on the mission and the vision and the calling of God on their life. Now, I'm going to put something out for you this morning that I think is really important. All of us are called to a mission. The ultimate mission to which we are called is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We know that as Christ followers, right? We know that. That's just given. But you also have a mission that is so important to you. And let me articulate it in a way to parents and grandparents. As parents and grandparents, you have a mission and a calling to raise those children in the fear and instruction of the Lord, to pray for them, to love them, to hold them accountable, 
to point them in the direction of faith, to, to, to be available to them. Parents to live a life that honors God in all things. That, that children know that their moms and dads belong to Jesus. I look also at business owners. The business owners you would lead with integrity and honor in every way. As an, as an employee, to be the best then employer, employee that you can be. That's a, that's a calling. It's a mission. How, how are we doing that? Are we praying about the God? Lord, I pray that I just give you my business in the name of Jesus. Lord, work through me to be the very best boss I can be. Let my life be an example. To me, that's important. I would also say to, for the men and the women, just men and women in general, that we would model, we would live with character and model godly strength and courage. That, that's an important mission that we are on. I want people to view my life, and I'm sure you do too, you want people to view your life as something that represents Jesus well. I never want to be the cause that somebody walks away from the things of God because of my life is just so messed up. No, I want to have character and integrity. Perfect, no. No, I can aim for that, and I'll aim for it. By God's help, I'll achieve far more than maybe I think I can achieve with his help. What about for young adults? As Paul would say to Timothy, set an example. Set an example in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. That to me is a, is a prayer of mission and vision and calling. God, help me remain pure in the name of Jesus. I am tempted each and every day, but God, you can help me. Lord, let my speech honor you in everything. These are important things. For older adults, caring for and blessing and mentoring those who are younger in the faith. I'm telling you, these, these are important things. These are not secondary. They're, cri they're, they're critical. They're critical. And I believe that these are the most important things. And God honors and responds to prayers like this. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says, and I'll get there in just a second. When I look at what the apostles prayed, the apostles prayed this prayer that was, they were passionate about this. It was most important to them. They didn't pray about, did you notice what they didn't pray about? Lord, deliver us from these nutcases. Lord, don't let us ever get in jail again. Lord, they didn't pray about that, did they? They said, God, let us speak your word with boldness. What? They focused. They didn't get off focus. And I challenge all of us to do the very same thing. We can easily pray about the things that are trivial. Now, I'm not discounting them. Because everything's important to God. And I will get to the things that are less vital and less critical. But I want to make sure that I am focused upon the things that are most important to God. Amen? Amen. Let it be so. Charles Spurgeon said, if you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he'll hear you. But if you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. Oh, that's good. First John 5, we are confident 
that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us, when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Stay focused on the most important things. And I believe that God will honor and answer those prayers. Amen? Amen. As we bring our time to a close this morning, the apostles prayed three things. And this is where I just want us to, for just a minute. First, when, they, when the apostle prayed, when the apostles prayed, three things occurred. First, the place where they were meeting was shaken. That always just gives me kind of whatever, something. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. What a way to go through life. What a way to face crisis. That when we pray, the place is shaken. I don't know about you, but there are some things in my life that need to be shaken free. Maybe some stubbornness and some pride. Maybe a lack of confidence. Maybe that sin that continues to trip us up. Whatever it is, a shaking. Could use a little bit of shaking going on. I think all of us, I don't have any doubt about this, all of us need to be filled again and again and again and again with the Holy Spirit. Each and every day of our life, overflowing with the Spirit of the living God. So that what overflows impacts and connects with those who surround us, who have needs around us. And then finally, all of us should be bold as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with those we encounter. Let it be so. Let it be said of us. So, <clears throat> when we pray, there's some crisis, there's some way to pray through crisis or life, whichever you call it. And I think all of us can call it both and either or. Amen? Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. We pray that today you will help us to be the people of prayer that you really are calling us to be. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And I pray this morning that you would do a shaking in us today. Shaking us. Let us, let us pray about the most important things. Lord, let our prayers be grounded and saturated with, with Scripture. I pray, Lord, that we would never be ashamed to present the need and to create partnerships in prayer. Lord, help us to be so conscious of how important prayer is in our daily life. Lord, let us be people of prayer. Let the, let the fabric of our life be just overwhelmed with prayer. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.